Welcome to the Powerful Beyond Measure podcast, where we discuss personal development, business skills and lifestyle. My name is Andre Detoy and I am the Big Positive Guy. My name is Abigail Kay, the Confidence Crusader, and our intention is to inject a dash of optimism that's both practical and educational, but always intended to be thought-provoking. We certainly don't have all the answers, but we want to invite you to join the conversation as we discover together how to live a confident, happy and successful life. And today's episode is... Business Plans for Dummies. Dummies? How can you say that, Abigail? <laughs> Our listeners are clever people. Look, I'm talking to myself <laughs> here. <laughs> Especially when it comes to business plans. Yes, I think business plans is one of those subjects that I think frightens a number of people because it's so much paperwork and it takes away a little bit of the excitement of being an entrepreneur you know we, we're in there we've got a fantastic idea we want to get to the flea market and sell our t-shirts <laughs> and now some idiot is telling us to do a business plan yeah. normally the banker yes so so tell me what have you ever done a business plan i have done well i will say that i have started many business plans <laughs> The number that I have finished, I don't think there's a single one that I've ever finished. It's one of those bugbear things of mine that when I started off in my journey was I was told that I need a business plan. I didn't know why I needed a business plan. I didn't know how to write a business plan. And quite frankly, I wasn't interested in a business plan. And so short answer, no, I don't have a business plan. So do you need a business plan to be successful? I would presume so, because there's that old adage that says that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mm. So that has always hung around in my mind, that it's all fine and dandy to wake up and Mm. and go through the motions of running your business, but if if you don't have a bigger picture in mind, how do you know that what you're doing every day is helping you to reach a goal? This reminds me of, of our last episode with Ryan Stramrud when we spoke about goals and he said about getting very clear on what it is you want to achieve. Mm. In my mind, it stands to reason that if you've got that business plan, at least then you know what direction you're heading in and that the actions you're taking on a daily basis yeah. is going to take you somewhere intentional. I have no doubt that you can, you can run most businesses without a business plan. Mm. Uh, and, but here's the problem, is that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And for me, that's the problem with the business plan. So very often when I'm coaching business guys and they're sitting there chatting and they say, I've got the most wonderful idea. And I say to them, what is the wonderful idea? They say, I'm going to start making t-shirts with slogans on them and sell them at the flea market. And I go, wow, that's an amazing idea. So has anybody else doing it? And they go, no, I haven't seen any, you know. But the reality is, is that sometimes the things that you don't know is that this is maybe a very established market. Uh, you don't know where to go to. And the business plan is a discipline. It maybe makes you look at things that I don't think everybody else always looks at. So, so maybe I can rephrase it. I have a friend who's an architect. He's a brilliant architect. And you can pay him a small percentage of the cost of the house. And he will come and he will sit with the builders. And he will build the house for you. Now, he's a very, very skilled man. And so is the builder. I would never imagine they would try to build a house without some form of plan. Mm, yeah. And so I always look at uh, the business plan as a necessary framework within, within which you can operate. The other danger I have with business plans is very often people do the paperwork because it's needed and it's very often needed by your funders. It's needed by shareholders, investors, crowdfunders, whatever it is, somebody wants to see your business plan. If you haven't done your business plan, or you do your business plan and then pack it back in the cupboard, 
then it really is a waste of time. Yeah, I think that that I can absolutely relate to. And for me, it, it kind of felt like it was starting to box me in. Mm. My mindset around the business plan, I don't think was was right. That it was, it made me feel that there wasn't room for flexibility. There wasn't room for, you know, creativity along the way and a change of direction. And I think that just comes down to my lack of knowledge about business plans. And like you say, that it's actually, it's not a, once-off. It's a working document. It's something, something that you, you refer back to. Yeah, constantly. And that's, I, I know, where one of the reasons that it, it failed for me. I think you've expressed it fantastically well. And what I'd like to say is that today, I'm not going to give you the template business plan. Uh, because I think if you want that, really, honestly, you can go to Google, you can type in business plan template and it'll download it. I think probably even Word will have a business plan template. And it's nice to look at one of those to see what the headings are. But what I want to discuss with you guys today is what does a business plan generally look like and what should we do? Could you do a business plan without a template? Because I think you do, most of us are doing business plans in our heads, mm. but I think a little bit of structure mm. would give it some huge use. Mm. So, so here's my five cents worth on business plans. In most businesses, there are some things which are pertain to every single business. I don't care whether you're a professional speaker or a photographer or you're opening up a real estate agency. There are some things which you have to address and you have to look at it. In your business plan, you need to say, have I addressed the following things? And the first one I want to raise is, so, so imagine this is a business plan. We're starting our own template from scratch. Mm. So you're going to think about these things and at a later stage, you're going to maybe even put them into paper. So the first one I want to look at is legal. The reality is we all dash off and we start our businesses and, and, and quite often we're quite illegal. I, I remember buying a real estate franchise and suddenly discovered that I was completely in, 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 in disobedience of the Department of Labor four years later. Mm. And that there was a fund that I should have been contributing to and nobody ever told me that. And so some nice inspector man came along and said to me, are you the owner of this business? And I went, yes. And he said, well you know, why aren't you a member of this? And I was like, oh my goodness, nobody ever told me. Mm. So the first thing I want to say is that legally we need to do certain things when we start a business. Now, I don't know if you've got any legal requirements as a photographer. I would imagine you have a few. Are you a CC? Are you uh, a sole yeah. proprietor? How are you going to be taxed? Yeah. So, so as a photographer, I am a sole proprietor. Okay, fantastic. Which means it's just me just and that you. there's no mm -hmm. other entity involved. There are laws that pertain to photography, like copyright law, the use of images, what I may or may not do with nice, them, nice. Um, those kinds of things. Bank accounts. Yeah, so I suppose then your tax. Mm. Does that come into legal? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Anything that you have to do to get yourself legal. Now, you don't have any staff, or do you have any staff yet? No, I outsource. Okay. So I'm not employed. in terms of outsources? I I have no idea. <laughs> In all honesty, I should probably find out. <laughs> I think what happens quite often, you know, we, we, we hire domestics and things like that. And the reality is there's an unemployment fund that if you have yeah. a domestic to come clean your office. These minor things, we are supposed to have contracts in place with our, our employees. Uh, and very often as, as entrepreneurs, we start winging it. Now, mm. I don't think in the beginning that it's a critical disaster if you don't. If you don't have all these things in place, you can very often get them into place. The problem is, is that I've often come into the business where it's gone to the next phase. You now have four people working for you and suddenly something goes wrong. So let me give you a practical story of a friend of mine 
who started her business. She was doing fantastic. Well, I can't mention the business because she'll know I'm talking about her. What happens, eventually her business got to 12, 15 people. And then she had a labor dispute. And she fired the person. Hmm. Which you're not allowed to do. Hmm. There's a whole procedural Hmm. thing that you've got to go through. And you've got to have these things in place before you even start. Uh, The reality was that I wasn't skilled enough, she wasn't skilled enough, and what we then had to do is bring in an expert who could put in a code of conduct, bring in the human resources guidelines, we had to sit and redo everybody's contracts. And at that moment, many people objected to their salaries, the terms of conditions, their leave things, how it was being calculated, and those are the issues that I think in a business can trip you up. So how do you know when you are starting out, and and you said already that you know, it's maybe not so critical, but eventually if you get into a specific rut, like this is how we've always done it, so this is how we'll always do it. At what point do you know that, hang on, I I need to change something because this is not, I don't think this is right. And generally I think it's more of a feeling than a, you know. I think it's more than a feeling. And I think the reality is that that's the beauty of a business plan. A proper business plan template, business, business plan template says that you need to do X. You need to have workers' compensation. You need to have an unemployment fund thing. You need to have a thing with a receiver. Are you a, a, a monthly taxpayer? Are you going to pay PAYE or are you going to have a different form of tax? Is there any sort of contractual agreements? Now, real estate for me is a fascinating one because there's so many different contracts that need to be signed for a real estate agent. He needs a fidelity fund certificate. He needs certain qualifications in place. He's got lease agreements with his premises. He's got staffing agreements, which are slightly different. Every single one of those is a legal document. What is my advice? Well, I think you need to do a little bit of research. Mm. You need to go ask another photographer. You need to go ask another real estate agent or another professional speaker and say, I was horrified the other day. Speakers Association of South Africa had an entire talk about contracts between clients and speakers. And I went, oh my goodness. Hmm. seven years, I've never had a contract. Yeah. And I think the problem with not having a contract, and it hasn't burned me yet, no one's ever... Touch I've, word. Ne- I've never arrived at a venue and they said, sorry, you're not there. But very often, uh, we even pay some of our flights in advance, it depends how you've, how you've agreed it. Or you've cancelled other talks. If I cancel a talk, have I got a 30,000 rand engagement and I cancel another one, and when I get to the event, I've lost an enormous hmm. amount of money. So contracts do save us. So the first thing I would like to say, is, and I'm going to go through these reasonably quickly, is to say a business plan should look at some of the must-haves. Uh, I think what happens, we're quite nice in that we're sole proprietors, but the entire business of when you have to be in a company hmm. uh, immediately brings about a whole lot more legislation. So what would I do? Everything is available in our dear friend Google. Uh, one of the resources that I use quite a lot is the bank's. Uh, If you go to the bank's website, they've very often got all the steps about starting a business. Uh, Very often, if you're buying a shelf CC as well, those people will advise you and say, in the process of buying the company, this is what you need. Uh, For example, a real estate agency has got a very interesting one. It's not only do you need a bank account, but you need a trust account. And and that is a compulsory feature. Mm. So so we don't want to fall foul of a rule that we should have had. Uh, I think sole proprietor for me is so lovely. The problem with a sole proprietor is that the second we change into another form of business, the second we have a second person working for us, uh, everything changes from that point on. So I would like to say is that it's a good place. There used to be a website, I don't even know if it's in existence, I'll double check quickly, it's called brain.co.za. It's one of these entrepreneurial uh, websites for South Africa. 
it literally went through all the legal compliance things that you need to know. I know it's horribly boring, uh, but most of the companies, lots of guys that do it a little, actually do it for you and take you a few days and cost you a few hundred grand. It's not horribly expensive. So I have a question mm. about then when you are starting out, how do you make that decision of what entity you should be, whether you should be a sole proprietor or a, a CC doesn't exist anymore doesn't in exist South anymore. Africa, so then PTY PCY. Limited, what are the options? And why? And how do you know which one is the best for you? It's a fantastic question. Uh, and the question is, is, it depends what you're actually doing. I think you're quite fortunate in that you actually can survive as a sole proprietor. And, and it's the easiest way. And that's what I love about South Africa. We really, are, we can just start working and just make a few rands and, and, and that's it. And so it's not particularly complicated. But as soon as you're starting any form of formal business, you need to get some legal advice. I've started many businesses, small businesses and a couple of big businesses. And one or two of the big businesses, I would have been bankrupt if I hadn't understood how to actually structure the business and to form the ownership properly. So I'll give you a whole lot of different ones. Partnerships I've done. Uh, almost every single partnership that I have ever come across ends badly at some stage. I don't know what it is, whether it's two brothers working together, mother and son, whatever, they always end badly. And it can be avoided with a really good partnership agreement. Mm. If you actually know exactly, uh, I'll give you another example. I worked in a company where they went into partnership. They agreed a monthly salary. And she, the, the one partner worked there for two months and then decided it wasn't for her and left mm. and kept collecting the salary. Wow. The business was doing fantastically well. I think they put in 200,000 rand each. She was collecting a salary of about 40,000 rand a month. And she never did another stitch and he couldn't get out of it. She was his partner. And for a small investment of 200,000 rand, now that should have been written up mm. in the partnership agreement. In other words, there was a difference between profits and an income from working in the business and also some sort of exit strategy. So it all comes down to the structure, who's involved and how big you plan to grow. Absolutely. So are you ever going to get any bigger? I've thought about that question before and the thought of hiring people as much as that makes me want to tick that box of success, you know, I don't want to hire people. <laughs> I'd rather outsource. What our listeners can't see is that your eyes are getting bigger and bigger mm. and bigger. And I think for me, the excitement of what we're doing this morning is the fact that we're just imparting some information. Mm. So he has a question for you. What form of business ownership? would suit your business best? And that's a question that you as an entrepreneur should be asking. And that's what me, what a business plan is all about. It's actually a series of questions which you are answering for yourself. I don't know the answers to this. And possibly in our, in our next series or the series afterwards when we come back to this issue about the business plan, what we possibly will have here is looking at the whole question of business ownership, which is quite a good question. Mm. Because it has changed. I remember in the olden days, for me, it was quite easy. I just did a CC. Mm. I knew what it was all about and stuff. Mm. And, and it's time, some time has passed. Maybe it's time to revisit mm. that question. Mm. So then moving on to the next point then of your business plan, administrative, all the admin that goes mm. into running your business. What I've, is that all about? I've put this in for me because I'm so poor at it. I, I really, really struggled. I think most people that are in sales or in the, in the social side of a business, struggle with the administrative thing. And I don't want to confuse it with systems, but it, it is a little bit like a system. It's understanding when things happen, how things happen, and actually having a documented process. So I'm going to give you a very personal one. 
uh, for me as a speaker, I can get approached in a number of different ways to say, would you like to speak at the particular event? What do you speak about? Or can you do this? Or how much is it going to cost? Are you available? And the reality is, is that each one of those processes needs a certain kind of response. Now, I've made some of my biggest mistakes by doing things like receiving a phone call in the car and somebody saying to me, hi, are you available? And I go, I think so. And can you do it? And I give them a price. And sometimes I've given them a price that's way too low considering the event or way too high. And that doesn't make for mm. good administrative routines. Mm. It's the same it applies for invoices. When do we invoice? Do I invoice you on the day that you actually booked me? Do you pay some sort of deposit? Do I invoice you afterwards? Do I invoice you on the day? For me, those are just all administrative steps that you need to just put into place. That you understand. Now, my wife always rushes up to me and says, where's the money? And I say, oh, we've made a ton of money this month. And then she says to me, uh, where is it? And I said, well, I haven't invoiced anybody yet. Mm. Now, that is poor business practice. Yeah. I admit I am horrible at this. Yeah. Maybe I should have <laughs> an intervention. An administrator. But this is the kind of thing that can make your business mm. die. Mm. In the month too, if you don't have some sort of documented process. Yeah, and and I also can can speak and see my, the errors of my way in the past, and still to this day. I mean, last week it even happened that if you don't stick to the procedures that you decide for yourself that you're going to follow, it can negatively impact your business. And and my example is that I get an inquiry that comes through in the form of an email, which is my preferred form of communication. And then not responding to it timeously for whatever reason and however legitimate that reason is that I'm out shooting or I'm, you know, not able to respond right now. And then when I eventually do get around to responding, they say they found somebody else. Yes. And so that is a massive error in my um, business, in my administration, that if I were on the ball when that email comes in as soon as physically possible, even if it means you know, maybe staying at your computer a little bit later than usual to get it done, to get it responded to. Um, and if you've laid out that procedure for yourself, stick to that procedure. And that's the joy of having an administrative procedure. In other words, it's thinking through every single scenario of what can happen. So somebody might WhatsApp you, might call you, mm. might email you, might meet you at a networking function and say, can I book you? What is the process yeah. and how long does it take? I've, I've had so many inquiries fall through, through the cracks because people, and it's obvious, you know, people are going to communicate with you in whatever way is most convenient for them. And we have to understand that, but we have to then direct it to ensure that we're on top of it. Sure. Several times I've had people, like you say, either WhatsApp me or Facebook message me or, you know, message me on Instagram and I'll see that message. But at that time, I'm not able to respond. And also when you're on your phone, you, you know, to type out a whole big long story mm. is not convenient. And so I've had to train my brain to when I see that message instantly reply saying here's my email address please pop me an email at least if it's all in my inbox i know that i will get to it and i'm 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 then not going to let it fall through the cracks because what you know once you've got messages coming from all over the place i lose track of them i don't know i i remember that i received a message but i can't find it now so could you draw a flow chart yeah and say business comes in from these five places and then draw me a funnel and say where mm. does it go to next could yeah. you do that yeah absolutely is that a business plan 
I don't know, is that a business plan? I, think, I suppose I it think, is. I it sounds it like it. I absolutely <laughs> think it is. Okay. Uh, free punt for Toastmasters. I've just been made the public relations person for Toastmasters, and, and I've left it. Uh, and then I went for training uh, a few Saturdays ago, and it was interesting. One of the wonderful things about Toastmasters is they teach leadership as well. So even in a function like, like Toastmasters or public relations, there is an administrative procedure. Now, I didn't know that. If I'd known that, I wouldn't have taken the job. And one of them is, is that people inquire about Toastmasters from a multitude of different avenues. Sometimes they email us, sometimes they're using Meetup, sometimes they're using Facebook. And what happens is you can't just leave it. You can't just ignore mm. it. So somebody comes along and says, I'm interested in your event on, on Meetup. You can't just automatically assume that they're going to come. Yeah. Because they need to book, they need to pay, they need to understand what it's all about. And so putting in some very administrative steps, but here's the part that I love about the administrative step. They've given me templates, which I've reworked anyway. And every single time somebody goes and says, Meetup, I've joined your Meetup group, I'm coming to the event. I literally click, right-click, I copy my standard administrative email, click the button and put. So for me, it's quite interesting. And last week, on the one day, I got 15 of them. Hmm. Now, normally, that would have been a two- or three-hour job as I individually write responses to absolutely everybody. Now, it's right-click, paste, 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 hmm. paste, paste. And I can do it in a couple of minutes. So I love that. Yeah. But my favorite story about administrative procedures, and especially now we're speaking about quotations, is somebody who I was men name I won't mention Marcel Odians, who is a speaker and a magician. Uh, he's got an incredible system that he's linked up his website to trigger onto his phone. So as somebody makes an inquiry, it automatically notifies him on his phone, and he's written the response to it almost instantaneously. So the, the letter of response, the invoice with his prices, everything goes almost instantaneously. Now I'm fascinated, and he often speaks about customer service. And almost always the response is, I can't believe that you've come back to me already. It's only been 10 minutes. Mm. And his standard response, I am a magician. <laughs> but that's what I think that admin mm. and mm. systems and some of the procedures we have should look like. Mm. And I think every single thing that we do, we need to say, is there an easier? Whether we do our tax returns or mm. how do we add up all our expenses? My biggest mm. problem is I have hundreds of expenses. And, and so I'm really going to the shoebox. You know, the thing that Donna said, don't do? Yeah. You know, a shoebox full of lunch dates and yeah. you know, books that I've bought and, and webinars that I've attended. There needs to be some process. And again, the question I ask you is, could I put all these things down and say, could I draw a flow chart with a funnel that everything is yeah. done a little bit? The second point of administration, again, is just another thing. is It's questions that we ask ourselves as business people how is this business physically going to run, and is there a better way? Mm. All right, let's speak a little bit. Oh, my, our fun one, neither of us have, have staff here, uh, but human resources is one of those things. There's a couple of things I just wanted to say is that human resources is one of the areas which most entrepreneurs, and I heard you, you sort of non-apologetically say you don't really want stuff. It can be the most rewarding part of any job, and it can also be the reason why you run screaming into the desert <laughs> and never want to work again with people. It can be a fantastic way of getting people, and I don't intend to spend huge amounts of time, but if you are going to get people involved in your business, you need to think through the process exactly how you're going to get involved with them, are they working for you? I think even outsourcing needs to have yeah. some rules 
and some regulations. I went for a large corporate and we had a thing for our suppliers called the Code of Conduct. There was a very clear lit written list of things that we expected from our suppliers and a clear list of things that we would do for our suppliers. In other words, we wouldn't automatically rush off and go for the cheapest quote if you commit committed to a service level and you would be there within four hours. Mm. But the reality is we need some sort of systems. I want to touch on just one thing for human resources. There's a couple of things. This is how to look after them, how to lead them. And I always suggest is get a proper human resource consultant. Have, have your human resource manual drawn up before you have your first staff, staff member. You can even Google these things, and there's a lot of them where you can have a lot of the basics. What is the sick leave policy? What is the leave policy? You know, how much am I going to pay you? When am I going to pay? What happens if I haven't got money at the end of the month? You know, all those kind of things. Make sure that they're covered. Mm. But the one interesting one that I'd love to say, and I'm doing this because it's for entrepreneurs, I often get asked the question is how much should I pay them? And that's such an interesting mm. question for me. So I want to give two responses and you can pay them whatever you like. Uh, but in business and big corporate, one of the things that we always do is if this person is there to bring in business for you, almost always we have a formula and it's called three to one or five to one. You need to bring in three to five times what I pay you. So I'm going to pay you 20,000 rand a month. You need to bring me 60. Because mm. it's not 20,000 rand a month. It's 20,000 rand a month plus opportunity costs, plus your, your, your sitting desk costs, mm. all the other little things like that. So very often I find people, they say, I've got a guy, he's 20,000 rand a month. He's bringing in 25,000 rand. It's not enough. Mm. And I know that sounds horrible. Mm. But the reality is that you've got to have some formula. Now, I don't care whether you use a, a one times, three times, or a ten times. The reality is you need some formula. And that's yeah. something that needs to go into your business plan. You need to actually understand that. Now, the other people, let's say, for example, an administrator or a secretary, she also needs somebody. There are some legal ramifications about how much she needs to earn. The second thing is you've got to say is what do they want to earn? Because what happens, there must be some correlation between what they want to earn and what you want to pay. Uh, but I love the corporate saying, my boss always used to say is that you pay them just enough. Mm. That they yeah. don't leave. Now, I, I hate that. I'd love to pay them unlimited amounts of money. Mm. But the reality is you need to have some clear policy. Uh, and, and in corporates, what they're doing now is they very often just go out and they get comparative salaries. So there is a price. Uh, it doesn't make economic sense to pay unlimited salaries, even if you can. Yeah. Unless you're just being generous and you will you employ your daughter. Uh, for me, that's quite interesting. So human resources are something that's a whole subject on its own. I suspect that we're going to do a whole podcast on yeah. that one. I'm not going to go any further on that. The next one is financing. Almost all businesses that I've ever seen die a death on financing. Uh, they either run out of cash. That's the most common one. You start a business, and I've started a business where they've said you need a million rand, and I go, I've only spent 200,000 rand. It's really nice. And then suddenly in the next six months, you spend a million rand. Yeah. And the question is, if you don't have the million rand, you're, you're a history. You're dead in the water before you've even started. So I don't know if you've ever had any issues like that. And you, you're such a rich photographer. I'm sure that's been easy for you. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I have an aversion to when it comes to this kind of um, topic because I have always avoided going out looking for funding. I don't want to get into debt. I have sure. an aversion to debt. And we discussed it in detail with Donna in the last season. And I'm one of those people who doesn't like to have debt. And I understand that there is a good um, debt that you can have and there is bad debt that you can have. And I just abscond, you know, I abstain from all kind of debt. 
when I started out in my photography business journey, I was fortunate enough to have a husband who was able to fund me. So he was my funder. He bought me all my photographic, photographic gear. And that has, that has carried me through for many, many years. And then as time goes on and I need to replace a lens or I need another piece of equipment, I wait until I can afford to pay for it in cash. And that is how I have always run my business. Now, I know that that's not necessarily a clever way of, of financing your business because it, it puts a very definite uh, cap on your growth. And that my sense is that if you are an entrepreneur who has um, the ability to take calculated risk by getting funding in order to expand, mm. your return is likely to be that much higher and so therefore your growth um, is, is going to expand accordingly. So I'm very aware of the fact that my aversion to wanting to get funding and debt has capped my personal um, you know, growth. I think while you were speaking, I could hear Donna McCullum's wings applauding you. Because <laughs> uh, I think that would, that would be the perfect world. The perfect world is if we can avoid finance altogether. I do hear you say that, and you're probably making exactly the right supposition there is, could I have made more? What happens if you had five little subcontractors? And I think that's very much a function of how much business you're generating. And I think we quite quickly understand whether you can do it. There's nothing worse than having five photographers working for you, you and I have to feed them and mm -hmm. keep them going. So for me, that would be a negative thing. Last year, I went to a conference, and the most popular talk at the conference, and we had a plenary sessions, was the entire issue of funding. And for me, it was fascinating. We had business partners there. We had uh, crowd funders there. We had angel investors. Interesting thing is that the last place that you actually get funding from as an entrepreneur is a bank. Um, I still yet have to hear of somebody who actually got a cent out of the bank. You normally get money out of the banks when you've got money in the bank. Mm. So for me, it's quite an interesting thing. But my daughter's EMS studies the other day, who sort of the, the modern version of accounting or entrepreneurial skills, for me, fascinates me because they are playing games continuously and saying, if I gave you a hundred rand, what would you do with it? And that really, for me, is the, the essence of being an entrepreneur. They give them a hundred rand and they go buy the ingredients and they bake cupcakes and they sell the cupcakes for 200 rand. Then they take the 200 rand. And one of the competitions that my daughter has just interested, entered into now was an Alan Gray competition, which is a computerized simulation where they actually play the entrepreneurial game, where they are given money and they trade and barter between each other. So you don't have to buy people's products if you don't want to, if it's going to take away your money. And trade between each other. And the person who wins actually gets a 375,000 rand scholarship. Mm. If you needed to finance anything, what would it be for? Mm. And how would it make you more money than your actual investment? So the question might be is, do you need a new camera? Mm. And would the camera generate the kind of money? So that's an interesting question for you. I mean, we're speaking about small businesses and small yeah. proprietors. But for big businesses, you've got to go through those questions. Time is moving on quite fast. I want to go to the very last one. The very last one is the whole question of systems. I'd like to start every single business with the end in mind. And the end in mind is when I'm eventually finished with this business or some rich corporate comes along and wants to buy me out, how will it actually work? So if somebody wants to come along and buy Abigail's photography business, what do they actually physically buy and what do they want? Mm. Now, I have often seen businesses that are fantastically successful, that when they come to this point that they want to close down, have zero value. 
because all the value has been invested either in the entrepreneur's mind or the owner's mind, and there is actually zero value in the business the second that he walks out of the business, unless there's a system. And a system is the part where you're going to get your next staff members. The second that you have a system is the ability for you to move on where you can actually have somebody else running their business and it still keeps generating income. And I would imagine that is the goal for all of us as we get older. You can't continuously take photographs until you're 110 mm. years old. At some point in time, you either have saved the money or made some other investments or you've developed a business that you can sell or be a, a shareholder in or you can actually have employees to do the thing. So for me, systems is a key thing. I've whizzed through that in two seconds, but really it is the key to every single uh, good business. At some point, you need to systemize it. Yeah, I, one of the most profound books that I read that opened my eyes to the importance of systems was E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And he spoke about when you are building your business, no matter how small, even if it is just you on your own, you need to build your business as if you intend to franchise it so that somebody brand new comes in who hasn't a clue what your business is all about. You could basically sit them down, show them how, you know, all the, the automations that are already in place, you know, whether that is your sales funnel, that when you get an inquiry, then automatically that person gets put into a funnel and then they get a series of emails automatically sent through to them until the point at which they then make the sale. And, and so having those kinds of systems in place that you could, you could explain it to somebody who has no frame of reference and they would be able to manage the business in your absence. Mm. Um, so that for me was a big, big aha moment when I realized the significance of that. And I'm, and I'm currently going through that with um, online sales funnels. And that is all just about building your systems to continually operate without your input on an ongoing basis. You a, do it once and it flows over. What so, is the book again? E-Myth? E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. We'll put a link in the yeah, show I've got notes. another one that I think I'm going to give you now when okay. you leave. It's called Business Plans for Dummies. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> the reality <laughs> is, is that we haven't approached, and I haven't approached the business plan. I've done many business plans. We haven't discussed marketing. We haven't discussed competitor anal analysis. We haven't done the SWOT analysis, all those fancy things, which frighten business people away. And we've deliberately kept it very, very light. In summary, I'd like to say a business plan is a series of questions that you ask yourself. When you wake up in the middle of the night and say, is there a better way? When you wake up and say, what are my competitors doing? When you wake up and say, how am I going to pay the bills? When you wake up and you say, should I have been paying tax on this or is there a better way to do this? That really is a business plan. Uh, asking yourself some questions and giving yourself formal written responses. That's all a business plan is. I think what happens, once you understand that and the fear goes away, then go look for a template. Go speak to somebody in the same industry as you and say, what are the questions I should be asking myself? And address those in writing, in answers. For me, a written blueprint has made sure that I've got some very nice homes that are self-sustaining, that run by themselves, and actually you can live in comfortably for the next 20 years. The difference between just taking a couple of bricks and cement and building a shack Mm. and saying, I hope this works, I mm. hope this works. Mm. I don't know if that's been helpful for you, Abigail. It has immensely. I've got a lot of homework to go and do. <laughs> don't panic about business plans. I think very often we frighten ourselves with things like finance and human resources and business plans. Business plans is just having a very clear blueprint. And here's what I want to leave you with. You don't know what you don't know. 
And that's why we do business plans. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to listen to past episodes of the podcast, please visit www.powerfulbeyondmeasure.co.za and don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss out. We would love your comments and questions and if there are any subjects that you would like us to discuss, please let us know. I am Andre de Toy and I am the big point. And I am Abigail Kay, the Confidence Crusader. Never forget that you are powerful beyond measure.